0: fundraising everywhere
1: fundraising everywhere fundraising
0: everywhere fundraising 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 everywhere fundraising
1: everywhere
0: fundraising everywhere
1: fundraising everywhere fundraising everywhere fundraising
0: everywhere fundraising everywhere
1: fundraising everywhere fundraising
0: everywhere fundraising everywhere fundraising everywhere
1: Welcome to the Fundraising Everywhere podcast, where we give you a glimpse into one of our amazing webinars or conferences. You can check out one of our full sessions and get a 50% discount by using the code FEPODCAST at fundraisingeverywhere.com. Yep, just head to the Fundraising Everywhere website and use the code FEPODCAST at the checkout to get 50% off any of our sessions. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Fundraising Everywhere podcast. My name is Alex Aguidis and I'm Head of Growth Marketing here at Fundraising Everywhere and Everywhere Plus. I'm here today to talk to you about Corporate Partnerships Everywhere 2022, which was back even bigger and better than last year. Now, I have with me today the brilliant Andy King, who is Head of Partnership Development at Remarkable Partnerships. And Andy, as I'm sure many of you will know, is the curator of corporate partnerships everywhere. Now, before we get into um, the conference chat, um, Andy, hey, it's nice to see you.
0: Hi, it's nice to see you too. Everyone else can't see us, but we can see each other, which is nice.
1: (laughs) We can see each other always lovely to see your face um how's everything going in your neck of the woods
0: yeah it's good thank you it's a lovely sunny day on the day that we're recording and lots of partnerships have kind of come to fruition this week which is really nice to see so yeah keep your eyes peeled and you'll see some cool partnerships uh being published in the next couple of months
1: Feel Good Friday. I love that. It's Mm. actually, I've been speaking to people from all over the world today, you know. So um, I'm obviously in France. I've been speaking to people in Romania, in the UK. Um, I was speaking to someone else somewhere else as well. It's sunny everywhere today, basically. So today is a good day for the weather. Nice. Hopefully, it's going to continue into the weekend and everyone can have a nice sunny weekend as well. Hmm. So, Andy, would you like to tell us a little bit more about you um, and the work that you do with Remarkable Partnerships?
0: Yeah, sure. So, as you've mentioned, I'm our head of partnership development. So, I really focused on our new business efforts, both for clients and for the, the consultancy itself. But what we at Remarkable Partnerships do is help charities and companies partner together better in order to build a better world. So, that can look like anything from helping you work out which companies are best placed to help you achieve your mission faster and with greater certainty or what you're going to say when you get in front of those companies. And it's just a really fun way to to help fundraising and help the sector from here.
1: Amazing. Um, now, I don't want to, us to get too sidetracked because I know that we've got lots of amazing corporate partnerships everywhere, stuff to talk about. But I'm really interested, actually, just to hear from you, like just a few like top line reflections on corporate fundraising, like through the pandemic, Um, and you know how it changed and I guess how you see it kind of emerging now has there been a has there been a change that you've noticed
0: yeah it's a great question and in truth it has changed massively but most of those changes were already coming they've just accelerated so one of the big changes is that we as an audience have had much more time to look at how companies are behaving and decide if that company is a company that we want to work for, give our business to, engage with in any way. We were really critical of how companies behaved at, at the start of the pandemic. You just have to think about, for example, JD Sport deciding that they were a critical business, so needing to stay Mm. open, which led to massive calls of boycotts. Yeah. Or uh someone from Weatherspoons saying that there was no evidence that anyone had ever caught coronavirus in a Weatherspoons, so they were going to be staying open. Which was that happened? Yeah, they they published a statement saying that they didn't think pubs should close. And the public reaction was incredibly negative. Mm. Whereas companies like Gymshark, who made a really purpose-driven response saying that nurses have never had to be working harder and actually if we're only allowed to get out once a day, we should be doing our best to keep healthy in that that hour a day. So we Mm. should be doing a a hashtag sweat for the NHS (laughs) and anyone that posted a selfie of themselves hashtag sweating for the NHS, they would donate £5 pounds to an NHS charity on that person's behalf. Mm. And that has massively accelerated their growth because loads of people have been like, oh, this is a sportswear brand that really, really cares about values. people. Yeah. Exa- exactly. Yeah. Um, and I guess
1: at the time when those people, you know, it, within that organisation were, were having the chat, you know, around the virtual table, they were all probably mm. on their kitchen tables or in the, in the, um, their offices at home. My like, I don't know, my gut feeling is that they were thinking, what can we do to kind of help people? You know, it was an authentic response. And obviously that has seen them well. And actually the brand value of that has really kind of um, amplified their work because people, Yeah, people respond to that. And I guess, yeah, we don't want to get too much into it, but there's a lot of really interesting stuff out there at the moment, isn't there, around purpose-driven brands and how that interplay with charities works and what that means for charities and actually, you know, is there space for the two? Or, you know, I guess you would say, well, actually, how do you get those two kind of um, things working together in the best possible way?
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think really what that means is, what charity partnerships look like with companies might be quite different. Mm-hmm. They might be more marketing heavy or more employee heavy, but it's really cool to see that they need us right now. Yeah. They've always needed us, but they they know that they need us right now. Um, and it's been really cool to see that develop.
1: Well, yeah. So, what comes to mind actually was something that I wanted to mention at the end of this um, podcast. But what comes to mind is your closing statement, actually, at Corporate Partnerships Everywhere segue. <laughs> oh, that wasn't meant to be a segue, but it's a good segue. Um, you said, and I know that you said this because I typed it word for word because I was live tweeting on the day. Um, you said, there's never been a better time for partnerships. Businesses need us to show the world they're making it a better place. And we can provide the solution they so desperately need. Do you want to say a little bit more about that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I completely stand by it. And I think the problems that companies are facing are really crystallizing at the moment. People want to work for somewhere that they feel is making a positive difference. We spoke to the marketing director of a, a major, major company a few weeks ago. And he said that they hired a marketing manager in 2019 And they had over 200 applications. That very same job is live at the moment. And they only had seven applicants.
1: Oh, wow. Okay.
0: The recruitment market is just so difficult right now. Yeah. And it's the same job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he basically said that protecting their talent has... Become all consuming. Anything they can do to keep their people in their posts by giving them opportunities to upskill through charity partnerships, by showing them that the work they're doing can have benefit to the world through charity partnerships, by getting colleagues around a virtual table through charity partnerships, they're just desperate for it. Because mm. if you're not doing something purpose led, your competitors will be, and yeah. both your talent and your customers are going to leave for that competitor pretty rapidly. Mm-hmm.
1: It's interesting because it's kind of, you know, it's it's a need to fulfill a really basic human need to be of service, I guess, and to be kind and to support people, you know, once kind of those like essential needs are covered. So I guess when you're in a job, you know, you've got a salary that kind of, you know, meets your needs. Um, you know, you're treated in a, in, in a way that um, is yeah good respectful positive it it makes you happy kind of once those things are met I guess something that we're seeing a lot of now is that even if the job is stimulating and it and it's you know um stretching you and, and and keeping you interested if you don't feel like you're giving back to society I guess there can be a bit of a hole um it's something I see a lot in um just various conversations that I've had with with friends so my other half is a is a um in the tech world so he's a developer and and a lot of his friends um have they're in the, that same industry and they don't work for businesses that do bad actually they, they work for businesses that are just kind of like you know I don't know I'm just thinking like the in the banking world you've got like Monzo you know they don't do anything bad they don't really do anything good they're kind of like in the middle I, I think a lot yeah. of them work for organizations like that and they've all come to me and said obviously because of my background in in the charity world you know they've come to me and said you know what kind of stuff can we get involved with because our businesses aren't doing anything it, you know the charity world is it's not as developed in France um and yeah they're feeling kind of yeah this need to to kind of give back and I guess the role of of charities and the role of of corporate fundraisers is to make that really easy for organizations you know to package stuff up um and to I guess pitch it
0: yeah um, absolutely I mean People's deep-seated desire to like do something good can be shown in March 2020 where people were going out on a Thursday evening and banging together pots and pans to celebrate the NHS because they were so desperate to do something that showed gratitude Mm -hmm. and it was the only thing anyone could think of at the time. And that need to do good hasn't gone away. So it's such an exciting opportunity for fundraisers, both corporate and in every stream, really, to say, hey, person, this is your opportunity to do good. Mm -hmm. And and for corporate fundraisers, you can do that on a massive scale by saying, hey, company, we know, Monzo, that you're trying to make money work better for people. So you could make money work better for people in this particular way.
1: Mm interesting it's really interesting I mean I feel like I could talk about that specific part of this like for so 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 long um but we have other things to cover um and I feel like you know we started at the at the end so let's go back to the beginning (laughs) let's go back to the beginning um Mm. because I really want to ask you um what your reflections were of the fantastic opening plenary um, delivered by Laura Solomon's um, and your very own Jonathan Andrews, of remarkable partnerships. Um, there were some really interesting reflections um, that I, I remember. Jonathan was speaking to this idea of you know doing less is in you doing more. Um, could you say a little bit about that and what your yeah what your reflections were on that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I loved the plenary. It was a really nice opportunity to get two just absolute experts in their field to talk yeah. about how to secure organisation-wide buy-in for charity partnerships.
1: The chat box could... was on fire, wasn't it, during that plenary? It was. I remember it... like trying to read through everything and it was just going too quickly. It was so well received.
0: And it's it's a real pain point for corporate fundraisers. And actually, that was the really exciting thing for us as the conference curators, was to think to ourselves... What are the biggest questions that corporate fundraisers are facing right now? And then build a conference around answering them. And the question that that session really answers is how do I get the rest of my charity? To get on board with corporate partnerships mm. because if it's just you and your corporate fundraising team doing corporate partnerships it really limits what you can achieve effectively to employee fundraising or cause-related marketing yeah. but when your services team buy in when your communications team buy in that's when transformational change is possible mm. and i think the, the really exciting nuggets that came out of that conversation between jonathan and laura exactly as you've said Alex was about that doing less is the new doing more that if we really focus on what it is that our charity is set up to do and hungrily go after partnerships that are going to achieve that one very thing not get distracted by the nice to haves or the shiny projects but really hone in on doing the work that we were founded to do everyone's going to get it and everyone's going to see that this partnership is so much more than money it's the value of children being protected animals being conserved cures being found and mm-hmm. that's just such an exciting place to be
1: mm-hmm. absolutely and i i remember something that laura said actually um on that which was you know when the organization is truly behind kind of you know what you're doing, you know, corporate fundraising, the partnerships, actually, um, the partnerships become richer. They become like deeper, more diverse. You know, there's opportunities that may not be kind of um, that they, they might not come to your come to your mind in the first instance. You know, um, but when you do have those different people around that table. Um, yeah those new opportunities arise and I guess the the corporate partner benefits but that also then in turn benefits the charity and the organization. Absolutely. That's just reminded me actually a little before um, the the date of the conference we put out a poll on Twitter. We did. And it was around Preference wasn't it between what was the question again? Oh, I should it have was, found it.
0: Would you rather win a six-figure financial partnership or yeah. a major gifting kind?
1: Yes, and it was um heavily, heavily weighted towards the six-figure gift, wasn't it? I think on, like eighty Massively. odd percent.
0: Massively. What are your thoughts on that? It obviously it's difficult in a Twitter poll because you have limited character count to yeah, kind of. Course influence what the gifting kind partnership could look like. Could look like, yeah. And I i loved Simon Striver's response was it feels like a choice between billing a being a millionaire or having lunch with Jay-Z. Um
1: <laughs> is that what he said? That's what
0: he said. Um but it rings true of a lot of how corporate fundraising departments are currently structured. The fact that a lot of corporate fundraisers still call themselves corporate fundraisers rather than corporate partnerships people. Mm. And it reflects the fact that a lot of people, when they're asked why they want corporate partnerships, they will say to bring in money. And then when you ask them why they want to bring in money, they say to achieve our mission. But if you just cut out that middle answer and you say, why do you want corporate partnerships? To achieve our mission. It's a much more exciting answer. I
1: think it comes down to like attribution and kind of impact I don't mean like you know the, the missions impact but I mean impact demonstrable by that department because I guess so I've come from a campaigning organization and I've often thought gosh how easy is it for us fundraisers to say this is what our impact has been because it's this many pounds or this many clicks or you know this much for this percent email opt-in. Um, But actually, you know, when you are doing kind of the change making stuff, it's just far more difficult to really um, attribute exactly what, what has changed. Do you think that's what the barrier is perhaps?
0: a bit yeah i think a lot of it is what you measure is what you get and people are measured on it and they they they're, they're yeah. not changing it and actually with yeah. that in mind one of the most exciting sessions of the conference for us was tom mckenzie's on yes. how you measure non financial partnerships.
1: partnerships yeah
0: because actually when you can put a pound sign against engagement or lobbying or influence or shares of a Facebook post, it starts to make a lot more sense to the rest of the organization. So there's a really interesting session at the conference directly on that topic of Mm. when you're on a change-making partnership, how do you demonstrate that value? Because you're right, you can measure pounds raised but you can also measure for example lives saved one of the partnerships in the the mini i wish i'd thought of that session the one that actually won the mini i I wish i'd thought of that session sorry if that's a spoiler and you haven't got there yet is um (laughs) the network rail and the samaritans partnership which in 2019 saved just shy of 2000 lives and I don't know how many pounds Samaritans would have had to raise to save nearly 2,000 lives, but surely saving the 2,000 lives in and of itself is worth so much more. So it's about finding your own metrics and being brave and having those conversations with your senior leadership team to redefine your KPIs Mm. and be confident and proud of that change-making that you are doing.
1: Yeah. It's really interesting. Actually, I would really, really recommend that session, um, to teams that are kind of, yeah, thinking about, yeah, this very, very topic. Um, because, yeah, I'm just looking through, um, some of my notes from, from that session, actually. And there were some really useful models in there, actually, um, that Tom shared. Tom, um, is from UK for UNHCR. Um, And the Twitter handle is at UN Refugees UK, if anyone wants to look them up. Um, But it was actually a very, very tangible session, actually. And I think that, yeah, if some fundraisers out there are thinking about um, wanting to do some of this a little bit more, but perhaps needing to convince a decision maker, there's some actually really useful, tangible stuff in there to point to. Um, So, yeah, thank you for mentioning that one. Um, we've kind of got into it a little bit already, um, but what were kind of overall, like we know that kind of every session was was, was so fantastic for for different reasons, um, but what were your highlights and, and key takeaways?
0: As you say, every single session was just littered with nuggets of gold. But You did
1: well, Andy. You did well. <laughs> we, had you delivered. You, you we had a cura- good conference. Creator yeah. and you were a curator and you delivered a good programme. I'll give you that. Um,
0: we did. Remarkable Partnerships are really proud of it, I would say. But probably the three that we would really pick out is, firstly, the pitch stop. Yeah, amazing. so rare to get a chance to see how other charities pitch their cause. And what was really interesting in the delegate bag that people could access is you could see a first draft of that pitch and Mm. some feedback that they were given by some pretty incredible corporate partnerships experts. So kind of seeing version one, seeing the feedback and seeing pitch two all together, which is still available as a session that you can buy, is just a fantastic way of thinking about how you might be able to pitch your Mm cause. And one of the things that we did for the pitch stop was we limited them to five minutes per pitch which is quite a tight time frame, but also mm. the the human attention span isn't much longer yeah, than that. Yeah, sure. so we for, for sure, for sure. And the bit that I absolutely loved to see, loved to see, is that none of the three charities started by telling us when they were founded and how many services yeah, yeah. they have and where in the country they operate because... We don't care.
1: <laughs> yeah. We care
0: about why they do it. And and all exactly. of them told a story. All of all of them spoke about the problem.
1: Storytelling was really, really strong actually for, yeah. for all of the pictures. And I think I mean we all know storytelling is, is like vital to our causes. Um but I think they demonstrated so clearly that, you know charities you know they can often have very very complicated missions and do loads and loads of really amazing amazing things um but it's difficult to get your head around actually you know and if you are you know Mm -hmm. in a business and you know you're not in that world as well you know you don't understand that the ins and outs of of, of that kind of sector and to be able to be a fundraiser and just kind of select that that one story you know that one person Mm -hmm. story that's going to kind of um communicate how important you know that service is that project that that charity um is yeah is such a skill and I thought that all of the fundraisers did a really really good job and it was so lovely to see the progression between the two and um, so I saw um all of the first pictures um and all of the feedback actually that was given which was um really really valuable really valuable I can I'd really recommend if people are wanting to kind of um, go through um, the conference material to, to definitely check that out. Um, and you can see it, you know, when when the when the pitches did their pictures live at the conference, you could really see um, that progression. And definitely. I love the live voting. I got very excited with the live voting. It was I, was, so I felt really guilty well. when I voted for one of them because I wanted them all to win.
0: Yeah, for sure. It was it was proper neck and neck as well it was think, yeah it was I think there were two votes in it and yeah it was there was three participants and the the people that came second came joint second yeah. with the winner being two votes ahead it was yeah pretty intense so yeah the pitch stop was definitely one but the other two that I just really wanted to pick out is Matt Gray's session yeah As we mentioned earlier, we kind of put this conference together thinking about what are the tough questions facing corporate fundraisers right now. And possibly the toughest question is how do we engage employees in our partnership, Mm. given that some people are back in the office, some people are never going back to the office.
1: Yeah, much more distributed workforce.
0: Exactly. And it's just a hybrid and complicated system now. Mm. And Matt really gracefully talked us through the entirety of how they've been engaging employees in their three mobile partnership. Yeah. And, and that's three mobile, Samaritans. It is. Yeah. Yeah um and three mobile probably have the most complicated workforce you can imagine because they have retail staff and then they have retail staff who are working at home and then they have office staff and then they have office staff who are working at home and they have international staff and they just have all these different forms of staff mm-hmm. and the samaritans had some really fantastic tips on what you could do to engage each of those places individually but also as a collective so that twenty minutes is is twenty minutes well worth watching once at least if not twice.
1: Agreed. Yeah, absolutely and then, agreed.
0: Uh, and then the third one was just David Hesekiel's se- uh, session, which was the David Hesekiel, the David Hesekiel <laughs> uh, talking about some of what we've been talking about earlier about how charity partnerships have changed in the pandemic, but particularly about how you can use your charity brand to influence partnerships but he just gave this really nice analogy that really stuck with me and I am paraphrasing for the sake of time but he Mm. effectively said that 20 years ago charity partnerships and purpose was this side dish or this palate cleanser in what companies would do Mm. whereas now Charity partnerships and purpose is an insen- essential ingredient totally. of any company's main dish, and if they're missing it out, it leaves a bad taste in people's mouth. Yeah, and I just love. It links that back to training. what we were
1: saying earlier, doesn't it? People, people need more.
0: Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, but there's there's other amazing sessions. Veronica Bamford Deans was was brilliant. Yeah, Carol, for Mars, Work for good. Great.
1: Yeah how to make companies care about black-led causes. That was a really, really, really interesting session, actually, and some really Mm. tangible stuff in there as well. Um, I had some, I remember I live-tweeted about that session, Um, and I had it. I've got Twitter up, by the way. Nice. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm scrolling. (laughs) I'm scrolling.
0: Yeah, they just had some really interesting points about how to make the most of equality, diversity and inclusion conversations, but also about examining where wealth comes from and making sure that you're speaking to a diverse audience. I thought it was a really fantastic session.
1: Yeah, it was. So I found it. So, um, yeah, it was Carol who was talking through why we should care. And actually the first point that Carol made was, was really interesting. Carol said largely it's an untapped area and you know the value of black mm. philanthropy is actually currently unseen i thought it was a really interesting point to start on um the second point she moved on to talk about was um again just good economics you know in an era of austerity you know we need to think about diversifying our incomes um, and then three you know absolutely like equality and equity um mm. and you know she spoke through you know, why black causes must be seen on the same footing as other causes. And I mean, it sounds so kind of um, obvious, doesn't it? But obviously, you know, we're still not, this area still isn't need, isn't where it needs to be in, in the fundraising space. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely a must see okay. as well. So you touched on it um, slightly earlier, mm. um, but I really want to hear your thoughts, Andy, on for you what's coming for corporate fundraising in 2022 what are the big things we need to be looking out for
0: yeah it's a great question and there is a cheeky answer and then a a, a more sophisticated answer and my cheeky answer I will go with first which is a return to the dreadful temptation of charity of the year (laughs) Throughout the pandemic, a lot of companies that do Charity of the Year programmes either put them on pause or simply extended their their current partnership to see themselves and that charity through the pandemic. And now that we are allegedly in a post-pandemic world, mm. a lot of those partnerships are coming to the end and the Charity of the Year wheel is beginning anew. And there's a real temptation for corporate fundraisers to go for them simply because they are a clearly defined process and you know how to apply and you know what the steps are so you go for it rather than taking the brave approach of looking for marketing or strategic partnerships with other companies and In truth, this kind of proliferation of purpose-led partnerships that we were talking about through the pandemic was largely caused by the fact that corporate fundraisers weren't distracted by charity Mm. of the year. And it's just a a call I want to make on corporate fundraisers is that, for example, the Deutsche Bank partnership is worth a million pounds a year. But it's only worth a million pounds a year if you win it. And rather than just thinking about it,
1: Mm. And what it
0: could do for your cause. You need to really assess. Uh, do you meet their criteria? Do, do you genuinely meet their criteria? Or are you shoehorning in something? Yeah. And then if you do meet their criteria and you get through to staff vote, are you actually going to win the staff vote? Do you know mm. anyone in in their offices? And so the, the cheeky thing to say would be the, uh, the Sith, uh, the return of the Sith, type return of charity (laughs) year and to not get distracted. Um, The more sophisticated answer would be, and we've touched on it already, but just the real crucial significance of employee engagement Mm -hmm. and having nuanced tools to bring both people at home and people in the office along with you on your charity partnership is going to be more important than ever. So thinking about virtual stewardship events, thinking about how and when to use in person everything like that is going to become and
1: hybrid as well actually so that's just reminded me so um Mm. we hosted um the charity film awards um for the smiley movement um the other day Mm. and it was a hybrid event last year it was fully virtual and i think ten thousand people attended um this year, it was so that the physical event was hosted um, at the Odeon in Leicester Square. I think the capacity right. was about 500 people. Um, mm. So, like, lovely, you know, like, glitzy, really fun. Mm. Um, did you hear how many people attended online? No, I didn't. 157,000.
0: Jesus! It's That's mind-blowing. Brutal. Oh, yeah,
1: it's wild. Absolutely wild. And that, ca- wow. I mean, the Odeon doesn't have a capacity of 157,000, no. right? No. Really nice example of how actually you can marry the two together as well. And I think Mm. particularly for for corporate events and corporate partnerships, there's a lot to learn from events like that. Um, So it's it's really exciting. It's a really exciting um, space at the moment. And a lot of this stuff is is still evolving. You know, we were kind of forced into a situation um, due to the pandemic. But actually, I don't know, some things have come up that actually work, dare I say it, better.
0: Um, absolutely you know
1: absolutely. more reach more accessible you know better use of budgets in many instances as well um yeah, for sure an interesting one yeah definitely um yeah so you've yeah you've spoken about you know what you think is coming up for corporate fundraising um i guess with that in mind what hmm. do you think fundraisers corporate fundraisers need to be, need to be doing now To ensure success later, you know, with with the things that are kind of coming up? What are the things that fundraisers need to be focusing on and honing in on?
0: Yeah, it's a really great question. And the first thing that comes to mind is we've spoken quite a bit today about how purpose is becoming increasingly important. Mm. And actually, just really getting knee deep in your own purpose is is really crucial so one of the best things that you can do is understand why your organization is there and almost like a pedantic five-year-old being like but why but why it's really
1: funny Laura Solomon she was telling me she we were having this conversation not that long ago and she said the exact same thing to me um, she was it, just saying that you kind of need to become obsessed with your cause and you need to know everything about it because you want to be able to speak on behalf of the organization and to be prepared for whatever might come up. And you want to be full of beans, don't you? You know, if you're not into exactly. it, then that's going to come off, isn't it? You know, in your conversations and um, rub off on on the people that you're trying to convince to support you.
0: Absolutely. And, and one of the things that goes hand in hand with that being full of beans, to, to borrow that phrase, is getting emotional about your cause. and one of the traps that we can fall into is getting obsessed with our solution whereas what we would recommend that you do for this purpose-led approach is get obsessed with the problem yeah and so rather than thinking about research think about the disease and how unfair it is for the people that suffer it Mm -hmm. rather than thinking about saving the the orangutans think about why they're under threat and who that involves and how that actually plays out on a human scale. Thinking about what the problem that your charity is set up to solve and understanding why it is that that's a problem rather than just taking it at face value, is probably the best thing that you can do. Because as soon as you start thinking about that problem, not only do you engage a bit more emotionally yourself, but you immediately start to think of who else cares about that problem and who else's problem it is, in fact. And that's going to lead you to better, more qualified and more authentic conversations with corporates.
1: Mm. It's the emotive piece, isn't it? And it's that storytelling, I guess, as well. Absolutely. Oh, Andy, I could talk to you about this all day, all day. (laughs) Um, This has been brilliant. I actually feel like I need to go and watch Corporate Partnerships Everywhere 2022 Hmm. all over again. I feel like I have one of the most jammiest jobs because I, yeah, often I'm live tweeting these events and I just get to kind of like squirrel around into these different rooms and like soak up all these gems. Um, But yeah, there's just so much... Brilliant, brilliant stuff to get into. Um, and it's all available um, on demand. So all of the individual sessions um, are available um, to purchase. You can use your promo code that I mentioned at the start of the podcast, FE Podcast, to get 50% off any of them. Um, but if you want to like really get involved and you want to relive the day, um, just get the whole lot uh, and make your way through them. Um, I can really, really recommend it. Before we go, Andy, um, I have one last question for you. Sure. What would be the one thing so all the corporate fundraisers out there that are listening to this podcast right now um what is what is one thing that they can do after, you know, finishing this podcast when they're back at their desk? What is one really easy thing that they can do to make their lives easier and to make their jobs, you know, better? have more impact just to spring that on you it's not an easy easy one but there's also no wrong answer so
0: it's a great question and the answer isn't that quick a fix but it pays itself Mm. dividends over and over again and you kind of touched on it earlier Alex when you quoted the keynote by saying doing less is the new Mm. doing more um and that would be prioritize yeah as fundraisers, we often see fundraising as, and I think this is another Simon Scriver quote, as a pie-eating contest where the prize is more pie. And He's so quotable, isn't he, that he guy? Is, he is quite quotable. <laughs> but if... So pie-eating
1: you when you're...
0: So, so no, not the tip isn't to pie-eat. No, what's the to, quote uh, again? So, um, fundraising is a pie-eating contest where yeah. the prize is more pie
1: interesting
0: and it's a really good analogy because what we would really encourage you to do is work out which pies are worth eating because Mm. just because there's a pie on the plate doesn't mean it's the right one to go for you for sure so we would really strongly recommend for example cutting your prospect list down to 10 prospects Mm. not a hard and fast rule but realistically you can't keep more than 10 conversations of that scale in your head at one time, Yeah, going for the spray and pray approach is not only exhausting.
1: Spray and pray. I've not heard that one before. (laughs) (laughs) It's
0: it's not only exhausting, but like, there's a bit of shame that you have hundreds of prospect lists on your list and you never get to the end of it. Yeah. Whereas if you're only working on 10 that you really believe in, you can be really proud of the work.
1: Quite must be quite demotivating as well, actually.
0: Exactly. So, um, that's that's our our one key tip is prioritize and give your give yourself permission to say no to stuff
1: that's amazing that's so useful to be honest I think that I can take that on board as well so thank you for that I think that's going to be relevant to, to most people listening to this so you know we, we know this but actually we're not very kind to ourselves sometimes actually and I think we forget it and we really Absolutely. need either to have that voice in our head that keeps telling us that thing or to have Andy King telling us that thing
0: <laughs> Absolutely. for sure for sure
1: andy thank you so much this has been amazing um yeah we are recording this on a friday afternoon um and so yeah we're kind of like slinking into the weekend now um i Mm. hope you have a great one whatever you're doing i hope the sun keeps smiling um for you um i hope it does here too um and i'll catch you soon
0: catch you soon thanks so much alex bye bye